supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. And no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind in this race for space. Welcome to the Three Beers Podcast. My name is Craig Austin, and Chris is out tonight. Uh, and so we have with us a uh, guest, Charlie Robinson. He hails to us from an amazing site that's called the Octopus of Global Control. It's a really cool, uh, share, share it right here. One of the things I really like about the picture, too, be this guy. This is who you want to be. <laughs> Whenever when everybody else is doing the hey, same Charlie, thing, I'll your mic real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. That's so great. <laughs> you want to you be this guy. This is what it, you could take whatever movie it was. I think it um, was the first Avengers when the guy stood up and he said, "There's always there's always men like you." You know, I refuse. You know, everybody else was kneeling, and he refused. He refused to kneel to Loki. He just stood. It's like there's always you know there's always men like you. Yeah. Yep, yeah, like that the, picture that picture got got me put in a seven day suspension in Facebook for hate <laughs> speech. Of course it did. Of course it did. Why not? Right? I'm just, Why wouldn't it? I mean, it's only a God. picture of a of the guy that refused to participate in the Nazi propaganda, and I'm hateful for putting that up there. And and I and I requested a. I said, "Well, you you guys got to have like a human being look at this. This is so stupid." And the, no, no, they just—they're just like, no, I don't like it, and, and that's—that's right. that's been one of the biggest um, kind of let everybody know. It's like you go to go to his, his site, um, you can purchase his books. He's got two books um, on there. I, th- I think there might be more. I'm just um, tell me if I'm wrong, but the, you no, know, the octopus just, of there's two. There's only two books, but one of them is the octopus book is available there. The controlled demolition of the American Empire is available on amazon because i wrote that one with jeff berwick so it goes through okay his, through yeah. so you go through amazon and you get that one that's kind of a that was the one i heard the from you when i first heard about you um and i was tipped off by one of our friends and he he was like you have to listen to this guy <laughs> and when i heard when i heard this thing is what we talked about the show the part that really really stuck with me out of the whole thing is especially right now with the last thing that's happened, you know, even just the four years, I would say when I really woke up, it was the end to the beginning of the second term of George, George W. Bush Mm -hmm. is when the alarm bells started going off in my head and something is wrong. Yeah. And um, without getting on too many side tangents here, Austin had shared a post earlier and I was going to bring it up to you. He was like, you take red ants and you put black ants and you put them in the jar and then you shake it. Well, the red ants and the black ants get along just fine. And then as soon as you shake the jar, they fight. They're just tearing into each other. Mm-hmm. But the whole time that they're fighting, nobody questions, you know, none of them question, why, why is this jar shaking? Right. <laughs> and if that's not the, pr- if that isn't probably the best, um, you know, 
scenario to lay out for between the Republican Democrat. I mean, this whole thing, everybody's fighting each other. And then you have somebody like yourself that's going, guys, we're in a jar and it's being shook. Yeah. Right there. These, the, here's who's shaking it. And everybody's looking at you like Facebook jail. You're nuts. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, I'm tearing into the black ant. I'm tearing into the red ant, you know, and we're just yeah. tearing into each other, ripping each other's legs off. And we're the whole time, the few people that are actually sounding the alarm, you're treated like dog crap. You are just th- cast out, just saying, why are you even here? Ban. Why are you even here? Block, you know, deplatform, get out of here. And the yeah. whole time it's like, I'm not picking a side. I'm not telling you wrong. I'm saying we have to wake up. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we realize that that we're all ants, <laughs> red ants, black ants. I don't care what color what yeah. color suit you're wearing, you know. And the people are antagonizing us, and uh, they're getting us to fight with each other and not focus on the real problem, which is them. And it's a it's look it's a it's a great trick. They've done it for a long, long time. It's not limited to the United States. It happens all over the world. It's people in positions of power want the people below them to fight with each other instead of correctly assessing the situation and looking up and saying, you know, all of us have a lot more in common than we with each other than we do with the people above us. And I think they're the problem. And when we figure that out and in a, and in a very real sense, like the movie, the a bug's life where mm-hmm. it's ants, it's actual ants in the movie, um, realizing that the grasshoppers are keeping them down and the grasshoppers have the big conference where they say, you know, it's not about, it's about, you know, not letting one of these ants stand up. Cause if one of them stands up, they'll all stand up. So, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's really just as simple as us all taking a moment to realize like, why are we fighting against each other? I know we have, we don't all agree on this stuff, but like if we focused our energy on the people that are creating this mess for us, the people, the controllers above us, and we took care of them first, if we just put our stuff aside with each other just momentarily, and we focused on them by the time we got rid of them and said, all right, all right, back to, back to our fight with each other. What were we fighting about? We'll all go, I don't remember. It doesn't seem that important anymore because they're gone. You know, and that is where we need to get. And 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 Pulitzer Prize winning, winning journalist Chris Hedges says he's recounting this story about Nixon in the White House in the late 60s, and 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 he's got Kissinger with him. And they've just had this gigantic um there's been a lot of civil unrest. I think it was the Kent State situation or something along those lines. And um Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's put buses end to end around surrounding, you know, the White House so that these people can't get him. But he's looking out the out the windows of the Oval Office and he's with Kissinger and he's saying, Henry, Henry, they're all going to climb over the walls and they're going to get us. And Chris Hedges says, that's where you want them. You want that mentality. You want them to have that thought at all times. Not that you're not that you're actually coming to get them. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. But you want them to have that feeling that we better be careful because the people might come over and get us. And, and because what we have right now or what, we, what it's becoming quite obvious we have for people that care to sort of analyze this is that we have a government, whether it's red team or blue team, that does not fear the people at all. They don't oh, respect no. us. They don't like us. They don't fear us. They're not... They don't take us into account. 
and I'm not advocating violence at all. I don't, I don't think that when you go up against the state, which has a monopoly on violence, that if you bring violence to the table, it's a bad idea. They know how to deal with that. They incur it. They want that. But, but what we do need to do is we do need to have those politicians or anybody in positions of power like that um, to th- have a thought. If this all goes wrong, the people might come for me. Because they don't fear us and they need, they need, they need to fear some, some accountability and they don't see it from us. And, and I think the behavior reflects that too, because, you know, I mean, if you, if you are worried about the reaction of all these people to a decision that you're making, as soon as you make that decision, you're going to be looking at them like, what's the reaction? And are they going to, are they happy? Are they mad? They don't care. They don't care if we're happy or mad. We're not going to do anything to them. What what are we going to do? Take their job, not vote for them again? <laughs> oh no! Give me an excuse to go work for Lockheed Martin as a consultant and make seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year playing golf with clients. You know, yeah. I mean, this is what will happen. So there's no downside to this for them. So it's it's just it's it's an important. I don't know. I've I just feel like it's important for for we the people to realize. Um, you know, if we had to rank people that are our, our enemies in, in this situation, you know, it's not the other political party that's really that big of a problem. It's it's the people running the show. It's the people running government <laughs> yeah, making these decisions. Exactly. And, and, and and if we were, you know, if we if just like anything, you're going to prioritize, what am I going to do today? What's the biggest priority for me? It might be I have to get up and go to work or it might be I have got to get gas for my car. Whatever it is, in your head, you prioritize the things that are important. Yep. Getting the people that are in positions of power to be to listen to the people should be at the top of the list. And it's, and it's currently not Now, What's it, what's replaced that is fighting with morons on Twitter and that, and listen, I'm, I'm, I am, I am, <laughs> I'm as guilty of oh, that yeah. as anybody. Oh, believe it's me. Fun. It's fun to do. But, I mean, um, you know, there are other, there's better uses of our time. And so, um, you know, we can go back to hating each other tomorrow, but like, let's, pr- let's, let's get the, let's get rid of these people or at least, at least change their behavior. Cause I, I feel like, you know, the olden times with the guillotines and everything, people are like, Oh, you can't do that. That's advocating violence. I'm not advocating for violence at all. I'm just saying that when that was an option for the ruling class, their behavior changed. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so, so maybe you find the proverbial guillotine, you know, maybe it's not the actual one, but it's some, it's some metaphoric one, but whatever it is, there has to be something that motivates these people to stop what they're doing and think of the repercussions of what happens if the ants get angry. Yeah. yeah and I, we talked, um, we talked a little bit, you know, prior and you know, it's just like with you coming on just the amount of stuff that's changed in the last month and a half, two months, you know, since we were talking about you coming on mm-hmm. the, one of the things that's really big is the parlor issue. Yeah. And, I've had a lot of people, private companies, they can do what they want. And the thing I wanted to bring up to you, the part that's really scary about the whole thing is like Facebook. This is Mark Zuckerberg can decide what he wants to do on his platform, what he wants to allow, what, you know, they can do that as a private company. But I said, what happens though, and this is what I've always tried when people argue this point, I'm like, you need to think about this. Mark Zuckerberg, um, I can't think of, um, is it Dorsey? Jack Dorsey. Jack yeah. Twitter. These, yeah, these, what, um, <clears throat> YouTube, Google, all of, 
all of these entities have now lobbied the government and made it to where they have a status that they are able to squash any competition. They're able through, through their media partners cast, cast some startup that could just be, you know, somebody that wants to be Bob's, you know, Bob's message service. And they're like, no, no, this can't happen. And Google, make sure that it doesn't show up in search feeds, make sure it's not on app stores. They do all this stuff. And when they ban this, you know, basically it's like they said, it's a shadow ban, like that's term certain out there. They're not actually saying, no, you can't go here, but if you can't find it and you can't use it now, when you're kicked off something like Facebook, Twitter, you've been cut off from what has now been created as the hub for information. Mm -hmm. This is the center, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, these are the hubs of information. And when you're not allowed on here, you basically have been silenced. You have been kicked out of, you know, so now, yes, it is a private company, but they have, they have engineered themselves through government kick, you know, kicking back to politicians doing stuff Mm -hmm. as the arbiters of that gateway. So at some point now, you know, me being libertarian, I can't, I can't justify going in and cracking down and saying now Facebook must, you know, this is how government telling Facebook how they must run their business. I'm not for that. No, but at some point, you know, the SJW thing of just, I don't like it. So it can therefore no longer exist. Yeah. That's not what free. Yeah. The first amendment was to protect speech. You don't like, yeah. Not to protect speech. You do like, yeah. you know, and I, so like saying is I don't know what your thoughts are like on with parlor. Cause like for me, I don't know, I don't know how to help people with this fact is, yeah. I mean, there's racists on Facebook. There's racists on Twitter. I mean, you know, still, oh, yeah. so you can't say parlor is just a haven for racist, you know, the people that are on there that are, yeah, they, you know, they hit a mute button, say, Hey, you need to go on timeout for a couple of days. Yeah. It's very frustrating to me because <clears throat> You're right. It, it, you're right. It's 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 turned. In, it's become the town square. Uh, we go there for a variety of reasons. Some to interact with people, to see what's going on in the world. I mean, we understand that we we get the ability through our preferences of who we like, follow, whatever. We get the ability to shape our own reality in there to a certain extent. I mean, they, they'll give you the things that want to you to engage with, and with the overall goal being to increase the stickiness of you on this site. You know, the m- number yeah. of minutes you spend on this site, they can then take that information and go to advertisers and say, on average, our people spend 56 minutes a day on this site and they come in seven different times during the course of the day and blah, blah, blah. And that, and that tra- I, I have a marketing degree, so I can appreciate mm-hmm. the scientific component of how you justify your advertising dollars to potential sponsors. And I can also see it from an advertiser standpoint, which is, you know, I have some questions about my product being associated with a platform that has all of these white supremacists on there. Now I've looked, I've been on Twitter. I've been kicked off of Twitter, had my account totally deleted um, almost a year ago, 11 months ago. So I've been around and on Twitter. I, maybe I'm in the wrong places, but I don't see the white supremacists pouring out of everywhere. I'm sure there are some, I'm like, like anything, but, but, but I don't get the feeling that it's overrun with white supremacy. That sounds like a cop-out to me. That sounds like that's what you say when you want to get rid of a certain group of people that are saying things that are, that are, um, you know, inconvenient to you. So I, the idea of, of them ganging up on parlor and then pretending like they didn't is, 
is laughable. It's 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 in line with, oh well, we here at Twitter and Facebook just happened to ban Alex Jones at the exact same day, you know, at the exact same time. It's like, oh yeah, sure you did. You know, so <laughs> so these things are coming. And look, I want to be I want to be clear about this. Facebook and Twitter and the groups that are doing this have to take responsibility for their behavior, but they are taking orders from somebody higher than them. They are taking orders from the Atlantic council and the Atlantic council is NATO and they have a very different version of reality that they want presented. And that is um, a world that's very fearful of China and Russia so those things are going to be promoted. Anybody that's saying things to the contrary of that uh, will will have find themselves in 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 a difficult space moving forward. And there's certain uh, there's only certain people that they want to to talk to on these platforms. So Atlantic Council will say to Twitter, "You got to get rid of all these uh, all these Trump people, or you got to get rid of all these Q people." And they're and they're like, "No, well, we want them. I mean, it's more people. They all fight with each other. It's great. It's great for business." Mm-hmm. And and they're saying no. We want those voices silenced. We want them out of here. And so that's fine if you, if you, you know, the test of, oh, we're just a private company. We can do what we want. Well, the test is, can you really do what you want? Because when the Atlantic Council is telling you that you need to get rid of these people and you took venture capital money from InQtel, which is the venture capital arm of the CIA, like Facebook and Google did, um, then you don't get to call all the shots on your platform. That's what happens when you have a board of directors that comes in and you get a seat at the board because you invested $70 million in a series A uh, value, you know, uh, round of financing at an X valuation. You say, I'll p- give you this money. I want this much stock at this price, but I also want a couple seats on the board. And what does that mean? Well, the seats on the board is who drives this, this show. So you've got... In Qtel, you've which is the CIA there. You've got, um, you, you know, you've got the, uh, obviously the founders. You've got then people like Sheryl Sandberg coming on for Facebook and getting a seat at the mm-hmm. board there. You've got you've got uh, Ev Williams and and Biz Stone who were the co-founders of Twitter on the board. You know, so who who are all these people and what do they want? What you know, it's not as simple. There's there's no democracy in these sites. It's no like, well, we did a poll and it shows that this is so this is. No, no, no. This is this is coming from the top. So, so the, these things are coordinated. Uh, getting rid of of certain people is is not accidental. I I can see. We've done some tests. Um, in like not not meaning to do tests, but as an example, I do this group uh, show twice a month called the union of the unwanted. It's just a group <laughs> podcast and we have That's a bunch awesome. of interesting people on. We had it's an Dr. awesome name, Judy. by the way. Yeah. What's that? It's, it's an awesome, awesome name, by the way. That's what, it that's is a really an awesome cool. name. Midnight Mike yeah. came up with it. We were on this, yeah. this call. He's like, we're like the union of the unwanted. I was like, oh man, if we were in a band, that'd be the best name. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so it, it wound up sticking. And we had uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits on uh, the last time we did about a week and a half ago. And she was talking about the vaccines, obviously, because that's her thing. She's talking about pandemic. Mm-hmm. She was talking about Fauci. She was talking about all this stuff. We did a live sh- live show for that, and it went out, and there was no problems. But then one of the things that we do is all of the content creators that that are a part of that show, um, including the the guests like Dr. Mikevitz, we send them a link to uh, the Dropbox file that we have of that episode. And we say, go put it on your own YouTube channels and do whatever you want with it. And 
we did that and we had about 10, 10 of the different people that were participating in it put the video up on their on their channels as well over the next couple of days. And um, th- three out of the 10 people had their videos taken down. <laughs> like, boom, instantly. Like processing, finalized, l- you know, complete. And then Go what's on. this email I got? Your video has been taken up. And that was the people that put her full name in the headlines. I put Dr. Judy. I didn't put the last name. I made it through. So the censorship is real. It's actually happening. It's coming from uh, above and it's targeting not just people or political affiliations, but it's ta- it's targeting people that are in the medical industry that we're seeing that quite a bit. We're starting to see people that are talking about alternatives to the federal reserve going away. We're starting to see people. I mean, it won't be long before people talking about Bitcoin will be going away. You know, yep. this is, this is, you can kind of map it out as to, you know, the low hanging fruit. Let's get rid of these Trump people. Anybody that could that could possibly, you know, throw a monkey wrench in our plans for this 2020 election. I'm not a Trump person. I'm not a Biden person. I'm not just for clarification yeah, exactly. purposes. I'm not on either one of these, either one of these teams. So, um, so I don't have a dog in the fight in that sense, but I do in the freedom component of this, which is I don't like people. Oh, yeah. So, so what you, you, you ban people because they're they're pro-Trump and you don't like that. Well, what about if, you know, you now you've gotten other people that are pro something else that you don't like. Like at what point is this just going to be an echo chamber of the people um, that, you know, I mean, what fun would that be? And that's bad business model. Like you said, it's, this is not exact, but you know, you take your company public, you get all of this, all this money, you, you become Mark Zuckerberg worth over a hundred billion dollars. And isn't it funny isn't it? I had this conversation with David Icke of all people, but isn't it funny that you, you, there's two versions of the, of the big tech story that go out. There is the, I just happened to start this transformational tech company out of my dorm room at Harvard, my freshman year with stolen technology, Bill Gates, Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, or I just happened to start this transformative technological company out of my garage in Silicon Valley. Hewlett Packard, Apple, micro I mean, yeah, not Microsoft, um, uh, Google, you name it, 23andMe, all these things. What a surprise. Like, it's almost like they've run out of narratives, you know, and they've got two of them. It's the it's the East Coast one and the West Coast one. And it, and and so, you know. I don't even believe that these people are in charge as much as we think they are. I mean, Jack Dorsey and, and Zuckerberg and, and uh, well, it used to be Larry Page and, and Sergey Brin, but now it's Sundar Pichai, but whoever, whoever, Eric Schmidt, whoever was the face of the organization. Oh, are they well, remember that, remember that meeting or not meeting um, that hearing where Zuckerberg was brought in there and people posted the pictures all the time. He looked like an alien. He just Water? had this, he had almost this robotic, just, you know, bug, you know, just look to where it did. He didn't even look human as he was sitting there. You know, it's yeah. just, and people were talking, it was like, what is going on with this guy? He was just, you know, he just like void of any expression. Yeah. And he was sitting on like a big, huge cushion too, to yeah, make him taller. Yeah. Cause he was such, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we kind of joke about that and it's like, you know, he looks, you know, robotic and everything. Uh, and then we go, then we sort of go, well, let's, 
should we talk about the clones now? Is it time to talk about the cloning? <laughs> you know, yes, it may not be time yet. <laughs> you know, yeah, he doesn't look like a, a, like a real person and everything, but, but, but it's almost like he's just, you know, it's almost like he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's sent out there and they're like, remember, this is part of the deal. You have to sit out there and take all the arrows that are coming our way. You're the guy, you get the hundred billion dollars, but you got to get out there and be the face of it too. And he's like, I'm barely capable of being a person. And they're like, I don't care. Get out there. Go to, you got to go to Congress. You got to go deal with that stuff. So, so, you know, I didn't ever get that feeling from Steve Jobs. I got the feeling that Steve Jobs was a real dude doing real stuff. Now, I mean, I know that there's some questions right. about him. I've seen the WikiLeaks. I've seen the WikiLeaks uh, documents showing, uh, you know, some of some of the stuff behind the scenes on what Steve Jobs actually died from, and that's very unfortunate. But, but, but as as a as a face, as as a as a, a visionary leader, Steve Jobs, yes, Lee Iacocca, you know, in the day, yes, you know, all these people that come on the scenes, Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-mm, not to me jack yeah, he, dorsey jack dorsey's a yes i mean he's a tech guy he started square as well so uh and he did not start twitter contrary to what you know i mean he, he came up with some ideas for twitter but that was ev stone and or, or uh, ev williams and biz stone that really ran that component of it but he's the face of it so i i have a i i'm i'm very um, I have a very difficult relationship with social media because yeah. I I use it for my own personal benefit to keep people informed about my podcast or talk about my books or just be a smart ass online or everything like that. So I use them and I'm on there and I realize that some people may say, well, that's kind of hypocritical. And maybe it is uh, to a certain extent, but, but I also feel like I they're using me and I recognize that, but I'm going to use them too to expand, you know, to, to do what I can do with them, which is maybe, you know, give myself a little bit of a higher profile so that I can draw more viewers. What, you know, marketing, marketing stuff. Um, but it has gone off the rails in the last two years now where it's almost unrecognizable. And I, and I really don't like, I don't like what it's become, frankly, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. It's 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 been it's been quite depressing, and they put us in these echo chambers. And a god, you know, I, I got a taste of it. I made a comment on um, Rex Chapman's uh, Twitter feed. Rex Chapman was a NBA oh. player for a, a while, and now he's mm-hmm. for whatever reason he's turned into some sort of celebrity uh, mouthpiece type guy. And, uh, and I don't agree with him politically or anything like that, but, but whatever, but they made a comment about the vaccines. And I said, he, he said how, how, uh, how brave it was for somebody to give up. I forget who it was, but it was how brave it is for somebody to give up the, um, uh, <laughs> yep, a- sorry, I was trying to show it. And then as I was doing it, I was sharing it. My computer just shut down and I couldn't do anything. It's like something just happened. Yeah, you were searching it up on Google. Yeah, about yeah, Facebook. I had to grab my mic because I'm trying to tell my girlfriend, "I'm like, I broke my computer. I can't shut off anything right now. Like, what's going on?" No, I was, I was just gonna say, it's just the crazy part is like a lot of people, and like I try to, you know, like Keith was just saying that, yeah, you know, we yeah, we're definitely gonna get to that Jekyll Island, you know, the Fed thing too. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people they don't understand if this is a pendulum. It's meant to swing back and forth to keep things in balance. 
But what's been happening, especially since the Bush time, is they keep pulling it. And then they lose power, and that thing just swings back way far. And then the other side, you know, you have Rahm Emanuel. Don't never let a good crisis go to waste. You have these people. And then you and – and I'm, I'm a huge believer. He was not supposed to say that. He screwed <laughs> up. Because what that did is, like Wizard of Oz, we suddenly saw who was behind the curtain. And then yeah. you realize – and when they did that, it opened up a whole Pandora. And I think – and I think what happened, you know, and just as you get into, you know, people are all upset. You know, we talk about the puppet man. Trump was not supposed to win in 2016. It was yeah. supposed to have been Hillary. This was to continue. This was the thing. But somehow mistakes were made and Trump was able to jump in there and he created chaos that freaked everybody out. And they're like, we have got to, because you saw, here comes a guy who's on, the apprentice. He's on this thing. You see all these celebrities that are hanging all over him. And then as soon as he's elected, you know, they're holding up severed heads of him and they were just taking pictures with him, all happy in parties. And now all of a sudden he's the worst person ever. And you're like, what happened here? And then you realize that this, and we, we just got a special, Oh, there's Keith with us. He brought him on. So <laughs> Keith is Charlie. Yeah. He's our, he's our resident, I'm you know, the fourth, I'm the fourth beard apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Charlie, uh, hi Keith. Gusto, I am bilingual. Therefore, como está, my friend? How are you? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so, you know, it's a great, it's a pleasure to see you. It's been a long time. I hope you guys are fantastic. Oh yes, misses. <laughs> we're doing good, man. We're talking about weirdos in politics, and 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 we're fixing the world. So we're glad you're we're glad you're here to help us sort sort out all this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So Austin, so, that, so Austin um, tagged me in this. He said you enjoy it. I apologize. I don't know what you talked about so far. Is there like a, a quick five second catch up so I can so I can make sure I'm, I'm on the same page? Yeah, we're yeah. Basically, we're just talking about how there is. We're basically the best way would be like Austin's post that he shared there, where we're talking about everybody is concerned with fighting whether they're the red team or the the black team in the ant jar. And we're talking about there's a person shaking the jar. That's actually a really good analogy. I like that. Uh, and you know, and that's where we brought Charlie on because that's his expertise with his book, you know, the controlled demolition of the American Empire. And that's where I wanted to bring him on. And that's where the stuff and that's what we're talking about right now. Cause in, when you came on, I was just talking about how my belief is Trump was not supposed to win. He came in, he dis he disrupted it, and what happened now is they're, they were successful in getting their, their thing that they wanted to back on track. And now we're going, and now it's going to seem a lot more calm because the jar is not being shook up. Like it's like it was now they've rested it. Now we're kind of calming down and we're like, okay, let's have peace. Let's have it. And that's exactly what they want. Now everybody is docile. And then if it doesn't go wrong, shake that jar again. And of course, this is just the illusion of peace because yeah. what's going on outside of the jar is that the guy that, that has been shaking it up your jar and making you all crazy and then has stopped. And now there's peace. He's shaking everybody else's jars up too back there. He's starting wars and things like that. So it's like, you know, those on the left and I'm, and, and Keith just to, for a, 
point of clarification. I'm not on the left or the right, but those on the left have been saying, thank God we've got Joe Biden because now we can go back to civility in the white house. And you just want to go, you have no idea what you're talking about because it might be the illusion that, Oh, Barack Obama only had one bad one, one big flaw in his presidency. He wore a tan suit to a press conference one day and, Oh, you know, the, the, the humanity, but what was really going on was smiles, decency in the white house in front of those pit, you know, in front of the podiums and answering questions and not fighting with the media and then have a great day, everybody. And walking off stage, right. And going in the back and ordering drone strikes on Yemen and Libya and Somalia and Syria and Sudan and Afghanistan and Iraq. This is what was going on. So it's like, spare me the, oh, now we're going to go back to having decency in the White House. That is not happening. That is the illusion of decency. And Trump, yeah, look, he is what he is. He's a, he's a, he's a polarizing uh, cartoon character who's in there, you know, antagonizing people. So, so on the one hand, they're right in that there will be civility in the white house and it will be back to those old days, but that's just an illusion. I mean, don't, don't for a second think that that's actually happening, that they're, that they're all then going to be hugging uh, world leaders or, you know, and, 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 and brokering, amazing peace deals or, or, or don't pretend that Donald Trump invented government corruption. <laughs> you know what I mean? This stuff has been going on for a long, long time. He's just bad at hiding it the way the rest of them are good at hiding it. You know, Hillary Clinton and those people, you go, Oh, well, if Hillary Clinton had been in here, we could have still had brunch. If Hillary Clinton had been the president, she would have started more wars. She would have looted things. She would have done unspeakable, uh, you know, unspeakable things too. So it's not, you know, I, I, it's just, yeah. That's, I mean, Charlie, that's she would have lost 30,000 emails. So we have no idea what war she would have started. She probably, she probably would have gotten an email from a very high ranking official and then forgot to reply because it got deleted. Exactly. But no one wants to talk about that. <laughs> I'm the jerk, I guess. I don't we know. can't talk about that. Yeah. We can't talk yeah. about that because if I did that, I would have been a living work when I was in the military, but I'm the asshole. <laughs> uh, I think I think so. I don't know anyone that had supported Trump that was like he is the most upstanding citizen. I really hope my male child grows up to be like Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. I think when it comes to being a CEO or an owner or operator of a business, it takes a very specific person to not part of my friends give a shit about anything else except that company and wanted to make sure that company survives and thrives. And I believe that he did a lot of, he sold rice to Asia, didn't he? Like China or something. Yeah. <laughs> like good for him. Like that's within itself. I've always heard like that guy could sell rice to an Eskimo. He literally sold rice to, to, to Asia, like to China. That's like that's, funny. Like I, I can't I can't get mad at that. Yeah. Did he have tact? No. No. Should he have shut up <laughs> no. on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> and 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 it's one of these things of I, I feel like a lot of people 
especially the, the late 20s or early 30s, my, my, and I would like to say Austin, Craig, Charlie, you're probably right there. I mean, you guys look, you're like maybe 20, 29, 30. Right, yeah. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of people lack critical thinker or comprehension of, there's a, there's a fine line of difference of things. Like, you could be supportive of Trump because he's the president, but you might not like him because he said grab women by a certain area. Yeah. There's, there, there's a difference. And if you can't understand that, it's called subtlety. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's bothersome because we as a culture or society, whatever, America itself, right? We... Oh, God. I know it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm gonna. I swear, you, and and you guys have gotten to know me over the past year plus. I know one day I'm gonna run for office. Like I, I really do. I care so much about the community. I care so much about the country. I care so much about just helping people genuinely. That it, it's it's one of these things of I'm afraid that someone's gonna use this as like a soundbite to be like that guy's a jerk. Um, yeah, isn't that the crazy? Real quick, not to cut you off. Isn't that crazy about how we were talking about that too? Just how this has become this way to where people, just because they don't like something you say, they're going to hold, dox you. They're going to do whatever they can to just trash it. When cancel you, yeah, they what happened to fail and burn? Like when I told people I want the president to be successful, it was like when I, when I was in the army, it was under Obama, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't care that o Obama was in office. I wanted him to succeed naturally because that means that america succeeds right. if i want him to fail that means that the country itself fails yeah. I, 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 just, I don't sleep well when you people but i can't i just can't imagine that we live in a society where nowadays if you say i support the president you're you're called so many different names yeah. or um you could lose you could lose your job well, it, it's that president. It's that particular president because it was never like that under Obama. They hate, they hate Trump. They hate, they, the people, the power, the media, those people that make the decisions on that. They don't want you talk. They don't want you giving him any credit for anything he did, even if it's obviously and no good. And him to win. I don't know anyone that voted for Trump in 2016 that was like, knew it. They were like, oh shit, he won. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was at work at my at, at the at the call center. You know, I, I worked for an investment firm, and I worked at the call center. And we literally were like, "Holy shit, Trump won!" Weird. The Atlantic oh. Council said the same exact thing. Oh, yeah, shit, he won. <laughs> yeah. Now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys sure? Like, you really sure? Like, hey, do you want a coffee? Hey, who brought in donuts today? It's no. Well, I mean, there's one. Trump, it's Trump really here's this one. This is going to get you know the little fact check bubble up there, you know, because there's reports that when the results came in, that a certain somebody tore apart a hotel room in a fit of fury, and that wasn't because just out of frustration. Not it was because this was I was told I won, and I just didn't, you know, because at that point I don't care. People say, I mean. Guys, in the last few elections, tell me the last time you remember Wisconsin going to a Republican candidate. Wisconsin. I mean, it always, President, it's always, it's going to go blue. 
it's one of those things. If you do this fake map, you can always click on it. Just like do the predictor things. You can always just go click, 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 click. Wisconsin's like Wisconsin, New York, California. You just immediately yeah. put them blue and all of a sudden it goes red and you're like, holy shit. And then Michigan goes red. You're like, holy hell, what is going on here? And then if you look at it and then you could just tell, and that's what, where before you came on, Keith, I was talking with it. It's like, you could tell this was not the plan because you saw right afterwards. I mean, everybody that's saying, well, you know, just, well, there was never this kind of violence. Yes, there was. I mean, does nobody remember the not my president thing? I wasn't hundreds part of, of people. Hundreds of people yeah. were arrested uh, in 2017 when he was inaugurated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. So I've noticed the last four years. So I, and what's funny is like when I post on social media, it's just about having people have been talking about equality for a long time. I don't see it being, I, I see it so polarizing that even in my own family that I'm like, I, I, case in point, I'm sorry. I, I want to be very like matter of fact when I talk about things. So I apologize if, if I'm, it seems like I'm stuttering or something. I want to make sure I'm very specific about what I say. It's okay. I can take it. I won't cry. Thank you. I, but I stutter all the time. <laughs> you know I me. Mean? I just do woodwork. I talk to the dogs. It's really all. That's right. But like when when people were talking about Trump bad mouthing people in France about dying, right? Calling them suckers and losers. I remember that Joe Biden was uh, was in maybe Tampa. He was in front of like a large tank sleeve and he's like, I'm, I can't do politics anymore. So he's out. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So uh, Biden called people something. I forget what the actual the actual term was in front of a group of people, um, like slow or anyway. I remember it being was it the clap you was it when he said clap you dumb bastards yes, and then he's like oh I guess I guess you're a little bit slower here and blah 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 blah. So before that, before Biden had said that, people were saying like Trump doesn't respect the military. He always talks bad. Blah blah blah. Anonymous sources came out and said this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to naturally assume maybe Trump said that, regardless if it's anonymous or not. If Trump said that and you're running with that, I saw a video of Joe Biden. And if I was back in the military and he said, clap, you dumb bastards. And he goes, oh, I guess things are a little bit slower. I would take that as offensive of like, I can't use critical thinking to understand what he was saying. And therefore he's making me seem like I'm a little bit slow. Yep. So if we're going to be mad that Trump talks trash about the military, then we also need to be mad that Biden's talking trash about the military. But guess what? I didn't see outrage over Biden saying that. So naturally when you use deductive reasoning, it's not about the fact that people are talking shit about the military. It's just it's only Trump talking shit about the military. Right. And that's what bothers me. Yep. Yep. Like, I, for the longest time, I was registered as an independent. I wanted to vote for Tulsi Gabbard. But mm-hmm. we work in a political system where there's two parties. You choose one person, and you choose one person, and Tulsi didn't make it. I would have chosen mm-hmm. Tulsi and, and Andrew Yang just because it's something different. Tulsi it, was never going to make it anyway because she wasn't going to toe the line. No, but that's the thing. It shouldn't be about mm-hmm. towing the line. It should be about who's got good experience and who's going to do what's right by the country. And I felt like Tulsi had a chance of doing right by the country 
and 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 not playing the political if we the whole the whole thing that got shoved down our throats for the last four years at least because i didn't care about politics before this was oh uh we're the party of diversification and blah 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 but let's choose the old white guy that's been in politics for the last 50 years right but tulsi has served the country been overseas a female and has been successful so far what how much more could you want? What are you waiting for? Her to be in a wheelchair? They like they like to check North Carolina. So or to be transgendered yeah, or something? You know, they I mean, like they like to check boxes, and there was a lot of boxes checked off on that, you know. But I'm not a I'm not a box yeah. checker. I want someone no, that I feel No, I said when they do that, they love to check boxes. And when you have military, female, you know, accomplished, I mean you're checking off boxes. I'm like, why isn't this you know, how did how did Biden get up here? And Charlie, let me know if, if you agree with this. One of the things I think what it was is I honestly believe Kamala Harris was the one, but they couldn't get her across the finish line. So they had to have the vessel to get there. And it was it was Biden. I, Biden. I agree. I agree with that, actually, because there's there's nothing there's nothing appealing about Joe Biden as evidenced by the fact that he couldn't get a dozen people to show up at his rallies. Um and Kamala has this look, has what they're looking for. They're like, well, she's mm -hmm. kind of like AOC, but 20 years in the future and has experience and knows how the system works and she doesn't have a soul. So she'll do anything we want her to do. Just ask Willie Brown in San Francisco. He'll tell you. Uh oh, here we go. Um, you know, so, <laughs> so there's, there. there's experience there with her, but they're like, gosh, she's just so easily kneecapped and Tulsi to her credit. And I I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Keith, I would have voted. I'm not a voter for these people, but if Tulsi had been the person, I would have given it a shot just because I, I, you know, though I don't love the fact that she's on the council of foreign relations, I acknowledge that there is a way that you do have to sort of play this game to a certain extent. So, um, yeah, I liked, I liked her. I liked her ideas. I liked the way she, I liked, I liked, I voted, I voted for Ron Paul and I voted for um, um, Ross Perot back in 90. First time I ever voted was 92 when I, I, awesome. I, I, I like was 19 and 31. I voted for Ross Perot. And I, for the same reasons that you kind of like Tulsi and Andrew Yang, he's different. He's doing something different. He's talking about crazy yeah. things. He's talking about it in a way that doesn't sound really like staged and political. It seems kind of off the cuff and I connect better with somebody yeah. like that because it's my impression that they are more flexible real? and more real. Genuine. You know, and less like, I, scripted. I, think, I think that would be my downfall. When, if I ran for politics, someone would say something and I'd be like, Hey fucker, knock it off. And I was probably like, oh, I can't say that. And yet it would be it would be so endearing though, if you were because we're so starved for any any shred of authenticity from our politicians. So if you pulled somebody as like, do you you want to know the one time that I actually was like, you know what? I kind of like this Obama guy, even though he's bombing the shit out of the Middle East, was when he when they had him on that hot mic uh, sort of behind the scenes, didn't know he was rolling. And he was talking about Kanye West and he goes, he's a jackass like that. That's all we say. He's mm -hmm. a jackass. And I thought I could like, I thought I felt like a lot of people could see themselves in him in that comment. 
and it was just him being a guy, you know, just saying yeah. like what, what he's obviously thinking, but probably can't really say like, he's a jackass. Uh, so you, you kind of jokingly say, Oh, well, if I, if I ran for politics, it'd be my downfall because I'd be like, listen, fucker. Well, you know, what would also happen would be a huge <laughs> segment of the population would be like, that's my guy right there. I like that. I like that. He can barely contain himself because of all the government fuckery that's going on that he, he let it slip yeah. and he just is, he's passionate about it. Like you would win. It, it, it blows my mind. And, and, and the thing is, like, no one expected Trump to win. I feel like America was just like, we want something just different. We yeah. know that what we're getting is like, but eh, fuck it. Like, let's just roll the mm -hmm. dice and see how it goes. You can't, yeah. you can't crap out unless you roll the dice. You also can't roll a seven and win on that opening roll unless you roll the dice. So yeah. it's like, it, it, it just blows my mind of like, we want something different, but we keep voting the same type of people in who, who, who promise things, but then they just drop the ball. And then we act surprised when it didn't happen. We go, oh, I can't oh believe George W. Bush didn't do what he said. I can't believe Barack Obama didn't end all the wars or close Guantanamo Bay. He said he would do it on his first day in office. Did you reelect him? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's because, you know, hope and change. I can't believe The Rock didn't suplex him. Well, I can't believe Stone Cold Austin. It's the same thing. You guys are watching <laughs> right. a WWE production. And after they're done, they go back there, they're high five. Dude, you had me, man. When you dropped me on there, oh, oh yeah. You know, they're high five. And everybody's over here, like you said, with the whole jar thing, shaking it. We're all pissed off. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, well, I can't believe you voted for it. It's like, do you realize they're back having cocktails right now? Mitch yeah. McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are having a cocktail talking about sharing this stuff. And we're sitting here fighting over who is the most evil. And they're like, they're laughing it up. Yeah. They're like, they didn't even throw us out of office. We're here for another term. What? It's, it's not what even that too. It's, it's, it's everybody else. Like I, I, I referenced Ben, Ben something, a comedian that does the States and videos. I remember mm -hmm. he did, he brought in Canada. It was like, Oh, I love the TV show you guys are doing now. It's amazing. And I was like, other countries are laughing at us right now because we're just falling apart internally. And it's just a joke. We're a joke right now. Yeah. It's um it's it's definitely something that other countries are laughing at us. But the fact that we can we can identify so we we can identify the flaws, right? We can acknowledge them, and we have the actual ability to do something about it. I say that, and then I'm like, uh, really, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, you had, you know, just to kind of, you know, tie this in a little bit to, you know, to your book, you know, the demolition, controlled demolition of the American Empire. Um, in one of your interviews, I wrote it down. You broke it down to where you had like basically eight key, you know, points yeah. in this book. You know, yeah. you had the rotting foundation. Yeah. The pre-weakening of the building, identifying support columns, debt, you know, the detonators. Rigging the detonators, who, who wired the building, ringing the alarm bells, yep. uh, pushing down the plunger and clearing the debris. Yeah. I, and I did that with my octopus book too. I put, I made it in eight, eight parts. And, and so it's funny because when we, when Jeff and I talked, so for, I wrote it with Jeff Berwick and Jeff Berwick is the, is the founder of the dollar vigilante which is a financial services company. He does these 
walking. He does these funny videos with his little Chihuahua Lucy, and they go out and you know talk about globalists and banksters and stuff like that. Um, and and Jeff and I started talking about this in the summer of 2018 when I went on his podcast to promote the Octopus book. When we got done recording, we were still just chatting, and and he said, "I really want to write a book, or you you have an interest in in doing something like that with me." And I said, "Yeah, let's talk about it." So I wound up. Uh, I said he he sent me over an ideas uh, an idea he had, and I said, "I I got I got a I got a different one. Let's see if if tell me what you think." And and it was. It was this. So here's the cover of the the book. Um, awesome. My my feeling was, you know, the way he he said to me during this little conversation, um, you know, it's all coming down, man. And I was like, elaborate. Like, what do you mean? He's like, financial system. You know, it's just a house of cards. And when he said it's all coming down, in my head, I'm thinking like a building, like a controlled demolition of a building, like building seven. And so, so I had always, I said, well, why don't we do this, Jeff? Why don't we make it like the way you take the, the, the step-by-step process by which you take down an actual building, identifying support columns and rigging detonators and pre-weakening the building and, you know, all that stuff. And we make the comparison that the way you would take down the building is the, is the same way you would take down an empire. There's certain, there's a strategy to it. And he just, he goes, Oh, I like your idea better. (laughs) So, so, so we, we went to work on that and I built out the framework. I went to Costa Rica for a while and I said, I'm going to like, just come up with this. And I built out this framework and sent it over to him and said, what do you think? And he said, I think, I think, I think this is the the path we should go because, you know, some, some of this, like we talk about, you know, we're, we're talking about politics and we're talking about presidents and things like that. And there's a lot of them that, you know, maybe figureheads and they don't have a whole lot of power, but some of the things that they do control are, are these policies that they put into place. And now that might not be originating from their brains. Um, it might be coming from, you know, their donors and things like that, but, but whatever they put the policies in place. So someone like Bill Clinton, who is one of the most destructive presidents in the history of the country, he did things like NAFTA, which was actually technically it was proposed uh, and agreed to under George H.W. Bush, but it was ratified under Clinton. Um, and, and what that did was that created, like we talk about in the book, pre-weakening the building and rigging detonators. We didn't mention this, but something like, I mean, we, we mentioned NAFTA, but NAFTA could also really be considered like a 30-year fuse that you light that doesn't really do the damage early on. But after a long enough time of it, it just creates systemic problems. Like it guts NAFTA. What NAFTA did is it 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 took all of the manufacturing capabilities inside the United States, and it basically gave them the option to outsource them overseas, mostly to Asia. And that was what Ross Perot, ironically, since we were mentioning him, that's what he talked about. It in, he's known known for during his debate, where he he talked about the great sucking sound that that would be the sound of jobs getting sucked out of out of America, yeah. and he was a hundred percent correct in that. And that's Which exactly were never what supposed happened. to come back, and then slowly started coming back. I have no idea how. Can you imagine the going. laugh line he would have gotten if that had been nowadays, and he'd said, "You know, the giant sucking sound." I go, everybody, you know, all the young crap would have absolutely ate that that line up. Yeah. You know, just no. I was, sure. was going to tell you, it's just too. It's like one thing I really wanted to, I really wanted to get with you. It's just, you know, about this too. It's like when people hear this, they think 
like you're saying that everything about Clinton is the you know most destructive. It's like no, people don't. Under, it's I when I have this argument with people, it's like three dimensional chess. You've got to quit looking at it as these two things right here. You have to understand, you know, look at the hands that are behind it. Look at the person that's holding it. When like when you say he's the most destructive on camera, he is relatable. People love him. Oh, he's yeah. going through this. I go, but what you're, what, when he's saying he's the most destructive, he's not talking about Clinton's going out there and, you know, just kicking stuff over. He's, he's geopolitically, he's doing things that are behind the scenes that the normal person watching CNN doesn't see. Yeah. Well, as an example, or yeah. to be, yeah. to be specific when, when I'm talking about, so, so it's a great point because what did, what did Bill Clinton do? to get elected in, uh, in 90, in 92, he, he went on Arsenio hall and played saxophone, saxophone. to get the black community's the vote. He put on sunglasses and played saxophone and they thought he was the coolest white dude they had ever seen. And they voted for him in droves and he became the president. And what did he do? He put together the omnibus crime bill with his buddy, Joe Biden, which put a disproportionate percentage of the black community in prison on long stretches for drug crimes that that, that are now prioritized. Legal. You can go to like you can go to like a Bed Bath and Beyond and get CBD, or you can go down the road and go pick up marijuana all over the place. Yep. So it's like, and and those people will be in there for thirty. They're getting out now. Yes. If, if you were on a twenty-five year sentence when this stuff went through, you're getting out now. Uh, you know, and, and the deal was, you know, possession of rock cocaine was, was, uh, you know, like five times longer man mandatory minimums and things like that, uh, versus powdered cocaine. Cause powdered cocaine was typically considered to be a white drug versus rock cocaine, which was a black drug. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it was really shitty. And so you've got the explosion of the, of the private prison through the omnibus crime bill that Bill Clinton put in place which is which which decimated the black community by taking fathers out of the home on on nonviolent drug crimes and things like that you had we um, could really go down <laughs> yeah for sure you had yeah. um, the deregulation of the communications industry which allowed the break you know allowed it to go from 50 communications companies which is what it was when Clinton started his term now down to six which is what we've got now or five technically but yeah. but so that happened under Bill Clinton uh, he repealed Glass-Steagall which turned uh, Wall Street into a casino and which directly impacted uh, the catastrophe of 2008 in Wall Street that was only after what he deregulated in 99 so we're talking like less than a decade six, nine yeah, years six seven, years, six, yeah. six, seven eight years Yep. Th that happened. So when I say Bill Clinton is the most one of the most destructive presidents, I don't mean in the way that, tr like you said, I don't mean like personality wise, because he was very likable from, you know, he's Bubba who went jogging and eh, he sometimes stopped in McDonald's and got himself a hash brown. Oh, have we all have, you know, yep. we all want to do that, you know, and he was likable as he was trafficking cocaine through Mena, Arkansas for the CIA in the eighties. You know what I mean? So this is a dangerous individual and Bill Clinton's like, like, Oh, he's on Epstein's party bus. He just likes the chicks and everything. That's true. He does. But he was also yeah. a degenerate cocaine addict in the eighties and was running the cocaine in with George through, through George HW Bush, his buddy. Yeah. 
and the CIA and, and yep. Barry Seal and all these guys, and we've we've read the movies, you know, we've read the books or seen the movies. America made there, I mean, this is, there was a movie with Tom that went over everything, and everyone's like, "This is great," and I was like, "The CIA did that," and yes. you're like, "Great movie." That was it, real. That, that was, was real. That to was point. real life. And then, but they what they where they didn't go was. This isn't hey, right. Hey, How who was the governor of that state? Who was yep. the governor of that state that was approving all that? Who who was that? Oh, that was Bill Clinton. Oh, real like the real Bill Clinton. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. who was his boss? George H. W. Bush. It's, so uh, they didn't go all the way. <laughs> but like, I just I just talked to I just did a show with Sean Atwood earlier today, and he wrote the book American Made. <laughs> you know about all this stuff. What I so, feel like a lot of politicians are are really good abusive relationships. Yeah. If you sit back and you think down on it, when 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 people talk about like an abusive spouse or boyfriend or, or girlfriend, whatever whatever the, the, the other person is, right? They're like, oh man, like they look great in front of you. But then when you really boil it down and you look at all the things that have happened, it's like, well, this person did this, and this person did this, and this person did this. But then they were like Oh, I love you, and I want to help you, and I'm here for you, and blah blah. No, that, that's that's what I've realized is that I feel like a lot of politicians, on some level, are just a domestic violence relationship in a political form, and then we're all like, "Oh, that person was great," and you're like, "No, you're you're just you're just yep. not far enough away to see it." I'm I'll your take- best friend, and I see that guy like once a week, and the once a week he seems great when we're bowling. But then the other six days, you're telling me that he be- beats you or he doesn't allow you to eat whatever you want or tells you you can't do this or that. And you're like, oh, but he loves me. He tells me that he's great and he wants to help me. And I'm like, we, 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 We're in an abusive relationship with our government. That's that's yeah. really what it sounds like. And, and it seems yeah. so crazy. But like he hits, the, he hits me because he loves me. You know what I mean? It's 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 yep. this is this is this is way out of my area of qualification. You know, this is like requires a psychiatrist to come in and say, this is what happens when we have actual abusive relationships. The, the, the controller, you know, she, she gives off these sorts of characteristics and they, they behave in this way. And then you just overlay that over how your government treats you. And you're like, holy shit, it lines up almost perfect. It really does. Like I, I've, yep. I've, I've been in one, I've known people that have been in one. And it's like when, when you're the person in the relationship, you don't realize it. Yes. But when you have a friend or a family member who's sitting there that's listening to the story, you're like, hey, you, it, you should get away from this as soon as possible. Like, this is really dangerous. Yeah. And, it, and Jeff, it, it, it really Jeff does. And I put something similar to that in the book in that it, but, but having to do with, like, like you said, when you're in it, you're the last to realize you're in it, you know, you, you're blinded by it. And we're talking about like, right in the beginning of the book, we're talking about the, the history of empires. And one of the things that they, they follow these very predictable cycles. And we are in a, a in, in this cycle where um, we, we can tell what's coming next. And, and in that, um, um, in, in this in the history of empires, Roman empires and all the other empires, they were always caught off guard. The people that were in it were caught off guard when the end came. They were the last people to know. And we we're kind of in that same boat where there's a, like a lot of us. I mean, maybe not us because we're talking about these yeah. things. But the vast majority of people 
don't realize what is actually happening all around them. They're ge- being propagandized to. They're they're getting the proverbial bread and circuses that the Romans, you know, gave to the people to distract them from from realizing that the government was collapsing around them. And and so we we are being kept in this state where we're kind of the last to realize how how how, you know how much trouble we're in and that is by design you know because they don't want everyone to know because everyone will panic and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy so they got to keep lying to us and keep us in these states so so it explains a lot of the pathology of these people it explains why they behave the way they do because listen if they were to let the guard down let the mask drop for for even just momentarily the a segment of the population would be horrified at what they see that this thing is not as solid and in control as we're led to believe our financial system is as Jeff Berwick described to me during that call, um, a house of cards, just waiting for somebody to blow on it. And the whole thing will fall over. This is a guy that was buying Bitcoin at three. Okay. So, you know, he, he recognizes these, these signs. So, so I, you know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity. I'm a, you know, I'm an American who works in real estate and lives in America. I've been fortunate to travel, but, but you know, I, I, I that's my re- reality. Jeff Berwick, yeah. the Canadian who who started a financial services company in Canada, took it public, lost it all during the dot com boom, boom and bust. Bought a sailboat to sail around the world, crashed it in Mexico, decided to stay there built a multi-million dollar company and and has the largest anarchist convention in the world. So that dude is going to see the world from a totally different angle, not just for me, but oh, for yeah. everybody. And so it's nice That's- to get that perspective where he has no sort of dog in this fight. I mean, ex- except to the extent that he doesn't want people to get hurt. He doesn't, he's not wrapping himself in a flag and doesn't give a shit about one country versus the other. So he's just being as objective as he can. And he's saying, it's coming down. The signs are everywhere. It's coming down if you're honest about it. And so when I started writing, um, when I started writing the book, part of what I was doing was also getting into and researching the history of empires. And what I found was that I, I, that we weren't alone in this, uh, in, 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 in us not recognizing that it's all coming down. Jeff's, Jeff's explaining mm-hmm. this to me and I'm going, yeah, of course it's all coming down, but he, but, but I don't, even, I don't have no, to the extent that Jeff is talking about, he's, he's, he's many multiples, uh, uh oh. you know, further than me and, and I'm going, yeah, it's coming down. And I'm thinking, God, the average person has no idea because their credit card work today. So they think it's going to work tomorrow and they have no reason to believe that, What's you the know, stimulus? it's like everybody complains. They're like, you know, Trump just left and everybody's like, see, he put us in so much debt. We're in almost 30 trillion dollars in debt. And I can't wait until Biden gives me that two thousand dollar check. Do you realize how we got in debt? Right. I go, this isn't free money. This has to be, you know, the piper has to be paid. You can't keep writing check. You know, it's everybody. It's like. You know, well, are you, you know, you always get the clap back. Well, are you going to cash it in? Well, who's not, who doesn't want a refund on their taxes? Yeah, exactly. You know, you get it back, but just what people don't realize is like every dollar you give here is like, has to be collected somewhere. And we're just, bar- we're, we're going through the federal reserve and it, it's, I, I try, it's, it's, I always butcher that thing, but it's basically 
people, when I try to explain to people that don't really understand, I think I was trying to explain to Austin and Chris one day is just this, what happens right now with our currency is there's nothing backing it. I take this piece of paper out of my left pocket. I write, this is now worth $10,000. And I take this piece of paper and I shove it in my right pocket. And now I go to the store saying, I have $10,000. Yeah. And, it, and everybody's like, oh, oh, that's cool. Where'd you get your $10,000? I, I, I made it. This is the Craig buck. This is the Craig dollar. Exactly. And they're, they're all excited. They're like, oh, you have 10,000 Craig dollars. Oh my God, how do I get those? Well, here, let me write you 10,000 Craig dollars. And everybody, it, people really, it's like, now the businesses are like, um, we kind of want to be paid here. You know, so I, I want to cash in this Craig dollar. But you kind of understand yeah. when you, when you explain that scenario and you're obviously making, you know, making it preposterous on purpose, but yeah. you can understand how these people can go insane. They can go insane because in their scenario, it actually works and they get to, and this is real money that they then get to go out and spend. So I kind of, I kind of understand why they're detached from reality because they're living in a world where they, they have created money out of thin air and everybody's collectively like gone along with the delusion and they're just going, mm -hmm well, what else can I get away with? I mean, I almost don't blame them because if you can get away with that scam of money, of the, of the, the fiat currency model that the federal reserve and central banks have put forward, if you can pull that shit off, you can pull off anything. <laughs> you know, if you can get them to believe that and, and, and you, and then you start to, I, I, I saw earlier tonight, you had a thing that popped up that said, you know, uh, talking about Jekyll Island or wanting to, to uh, talk about that, man, I'll tell yeah. you that the, the crazy synchronicities that I have had since coming into this, this world of research has been um, it's been, it's been a trip. One of them was, was sitting in the airport in Mexico city uh, on a trip going to Anarchapulco, which is Jeff Berwick's Acapulco uh, anar largest anarchist convention in the world. <laughs> And being seated, you know, for my flight from Mexico City to Acapulco next to G. Edward Griffin and having the, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, <laughs> the book oh, yeah. blew the whistle on the Fed, you know, the, the creation of the Federal Reserve. And he's in his 80s now, you know, and I go, I'm on my way to hear you. I mean, I was going to be a speaker at the event too, but I go, I go, I'm on my way to hear you speak tomorrow. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, he's such a nice <laughs> yeah. guy. I go, what are you going to talk about? He goes, I haven't decided yet. So, but we talked for a long, long time about that and about the Fed. And and, and for those of you that might not recognize uh, G. Edward Griffin from that, he's the founder of the Red Pill Expo as well. So, you know, he's, uh, he's one yep. of those guys that's been doing this stuff for 40 years. If you've ever seen the old school Yuri Bezmenov interviews that are like in the seventies where he's interviewed the guy, you know, the, the ex KGB spy, the guy interviewing him is G Edward Griffin, <laughs> you know? So he's, this is an yeah. OG of the truth community and to be, and to just be like seated next to him. I'm just like, Oh, what a, uh, this poor bastard. I'm going to talk his ear off. You know, he has no idea. He's, he's lucky that this is a, a short flight. If he's lucky we're not going to Shanghai, you know, because this, you know, he'd be ready to stab me because I have questions. I have questions about these, this banking system, you know, and yeah, and I'd already, I'd written my first book. I was well into my second book and still having questions about how it all works. And to have that guy 
say, all right, well, let me, let's back up to this and let's start with the start from the beginning. Let's, you know, there's a lot of mysteries out there and there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we don't know about, about the, about why our government works the way it works and why our banking system works the way it works. And if we were made aware of this, it would change our perception of the government. It would change our perception of money. It would change the way we value our own time. We would be less inclined to trade hours for fiat dollars if we knew that fiat dollars were essentially worthless. And you said something uh, er earlier, Craig, that, that our, our money isn't backed by anything. Well, it used to be backed by gold, gold. and yeah. then it was backed by... Then, then it was backed by oil with the petrodollar arrangement, sort of unofficially. And now I would make the argument that it is backed by the U.S. military. That if you get on the wrong side of the dollar paradigm, meaning you want to uh, sell your oil in exchange, it, it, not for U.S. dollars, but for Iraqi or for gold dinars, African dinars, or or gold or whatever, or let's say in the future Bitcoin. Um, you will get invaded, i.e., Iraq Libya. and Libya. As we say, so I, you, um, what was, you know, all of a sudden, you know, just happened to you know depose a certain person in Muammar Gaddafi in Libya of out of the blue. Why? Uh, maybe because he was onto something, and we can't have that. Yep. He was he was seeking he, he was doing a, a, several things. He was improving the lives of of people in North Africa. He was uh, he was uh, it, building this elaborate water project, and he was moving to a, a new gold backed uh, currency that was going to challenge uh, fiat currencies and central banks. So that'll get you killed. That'll get you killed. Period. You know that 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 is that is something that they don't. They don't want happening. And then we get into 2020 and, and, and during this, you know, situation with coronavirus and all of the emergency measures that have to happen. And you find that the numbers that they're reporting back are that uh, I've heard 25 percent. I've heard as high as 35 percent of all U.S. dollars that are now currently today in circulation were printed just in the year 2020. So when you're debasing the currency like that, it is uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And yet, yeah. like you said, people are going, yeah, but where's my two grand or where's my $600? I'll still take it. Yeah. And you know what? Who can blame you? Take it, take their money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yep. but, 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 but by taking it, we all have to acknowledge that this, you, you know, maybe, maybe people didn't, Past economics, but it's it's real easy. You know, you if you inflate the, the the money supply, you add more units into the money supply. Each unit in there has less value. So as yes. we print these dollars, the dollars that we currently have in our bank or that we had in in our four hundred one k that are in the form of stocks that we've been purchasing over the years and years and years the value of those dollars goes down. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot or, or we're bleeding ourselves to death is really what we're doing just slowly. And that is by design. And that is part of the federal reserve model of creating inflation. And it goes, so in this, and by the way, this is, it's me like mm -hmm. getting this information from Ed Griffin and I'm just going, Holy shit. I can't believe I'm having this conversation. You know what I mean? And I'm just like having an out of body experience trying to be cool and writing down as much of this as I can to incorporate in, in my book, you know? And so 
it's just it's 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 so important for us to know about banking and yet i understand that it's such a snooze fest for people and they're like hey we're gonna talk about banking everyone's like oh like can we talk about you know paint colors instead i mean it is real boring but but that is kind of the that's but we've we've got to get over that because it's so important to us in in understanding how things work and we're always going to be you know if you watch that three card monty game get played and you can't figure out what's happening it's because it's it's a rigged game and until you figure out how it works you're going to keep guessing wrong and so like we collectively as 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 americans uh, you know since we're talking about it as america but really people people throughout the world would be would really benefit from understanding how their currency works because if you understood how it worked you would understand pretty quickly what a scam it is and you would be less inclined to kill yourself in order f- to get money you know kill yourself figuratively you know work yourself to death for for a job to get money to do this when you understand what it what it really means and what it signifies so so it's 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 a challenge you know it's a challenge to get people interested in these top in some of the topics because they can on the surface appear to be a little bit boring but um man I, i i promise you we wouldn't have been writing about them in the books if they weren't really important to understand Exactly. And, um, we just, we're about out of time. Um, would you be willing to come back on for another, another show? Of course. Like, um, so March, um, I'm, I said, we got some dates in here. I'll, I'll message you. And I said, maybe see about getting you on there and we'll yeah. kind of do like a part two. Um, the, 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 you know, the alphabet soup got to Keith. They took him out. Yeah, so we're, not sure, we're, we're not sure what happened to him. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, he, he, he spoke to, he spoke too freely, and so he paid the price. He he has been shadow banned. Yeah, <laughs> by Tulsi Gabbard. So, oh, exactly. No, it's so. Uh, but one of those, just as we talked about, you know, because um, one of you know, Her- Her- she she brought up, you know, a question about like China's, you know, have they been printing our money since the seventies? I think I don't know if it's they've been printing it as much as they just they have been they have been basically the pocket that we've been taking out of and using using that as the backing yeah, for all this free printing and people don't understand. Yeah. It's a circular uh, process with China where that we buy things from them and then they take our dollars and buy us treasuries with them. So that's kind of the arrangement that we have. So they, they say, what are we going to do with all these us dollars that you're, you're spending in our country for all of these products that we're making for you. And, and we say, well, take all those us dollars and just give them back to us and we'll give you a treasury note that pays you, um, uh, X percent per year. And so, and, and they're like, okay, they bought that. They, they, I mean, they fell for that, uh, uh, trick. And now they're in a situation where they own so much of our treasuries that if they decided to really mess with us, um, they've got skin in the game with us too. We're, 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 all, we're both yep. kind of in the same boat. If they decide they want to, uh, you know, um, start drilling holes in it, they're going to be hurting themselves as well. So we're in a, we're in a weird spot because of our relationship with China. Um, we're sort of married to them for a little while, but then Jeff and I wrote in the, in, in the book, a chapter called the, on, on the Thucydides trap, which is this concept, a Greek concept that says that the rise of a new superpower always challenges the existing superpower. And, yep. and in 12 out of the 16 times, 
over recorded history when these empires have had these situations occur out of the 16 times, 12 times it's ended in wars. And so there's, there's the threat of that with China, just from a statistical standpoint that there's a, according to history, and th- though it's not a giant sample size, 75% of the time it's ended in war. And we see how war crazy America is and how the military industrial complex is involved and how they make so oh, much yeah. money through wars and the banks make money through wars. You and the globalists don't have a problem with war. You see that we're headed for wars, and that's going to be a bad thing. So, so we have to be, you know, we have to be very careful of all of the, you know, what I predict in this next four years of the Biden Harris administration is a, you know, the demonization that we had with of Russia during Trump's. We're going to have that of China for Biden because that is a war that that they want to get started. The drums, yeah, the drums of sound. That was weird. I was like frozen there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had this really weird day. It's like some, some reason it's doing this little quick thing, but yeah, no, we'll have you back on because Great. that's, that's something, you know, that was a perfect pl- place kind of like a teaser for, you know, for the next time. And I think in about a month and a half, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea, you know, of like yeah. some of the stuff, if it's been happening. So wait, everybody go to the octopus of global control.com. Check out um, that book, the octopus of global control and go to Amazon right now and get the, their current book out controlled demolition of the American empire from the founding of the federal reserve to nine 11 to the coronavirus panic by Jeff Berwick and Charlie Robinson. And so, it would have had Ron Paul do the forward to it, but he had, he agreed to do it for us, but he had his medical incident two days uh, later and we were like, oh, man, we just sent him a message and we said, get well. Don't worry about us. We'll we'll have Doug Casey do it. But Ron Paul was going to be the one that wrote the foreword to the book. Oh. So if, if you ever get that one, maybe that'd be something that you guys could have like for a dollar ninety nine of, you know, that thing you could purchase that and get the foreword that should have been in there and sent right. to you. Yeah, we got an email. We got an email like after the book had been out. And he's in, from Dr. Paul. To, guy was such a nice guy. He he was like, "I'm I'm feeling good. I'm better. I'm ready to do it if you need me to." And we're like, "Oh, thank you, Dr. Paul." But we we, we took care of it. You you <laughs> you've done so much for us. But but we were both like, "Shit." <laughs> yeah, have people do, have people do this and like you start having the amendments. This is Amendment One from Ron Paul. Amendment right. Two. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we, might, we might have to take him up on that. It's a, just, yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. So. <laughs> All right, Char- well, hey, thank you for taking the time out. Appreciate Thanks, you coming guys, for on. Having me, it's, it's been awesome. a lot of fun, and I and I uh, yeah, listen. I the first step towards fixing this stuff is talking about it, and that's that's yeah. what I think. Stuff like this is good. It's good to have these conversations. Get to thinking about it, even if you don't agree with everything we're saying, it's fine. I mean, it's just let's just try and figure it out. Let's put our heads exactly. together, or our beards together in this particular case. <laughs> try, try. And, uh, try, try and <laughs> yeah. try and come up with some solutions, you know? Exactly. All right. Well, th- thanks again, man. Well, like I said, I'll be in touch. Uh, I'll message you. Pro- it may not be tonight. It might be tomorrow. I'll message you um, a couple of the dates that we've got available in March. And we'll see if we can get you back on for then. That sounds good. I'd, it'd be my pleasure. I enjoy awesome. it. Take uh, care. Okay. All right. Take, have a good night. All right, everybody, um, check this out. We'll be replayed um, a little bit later on. I'm not sure if it's going to be tomorrow or something like that on uh, Xeno Radio. Go to the app. Um, Patriot Radio is is the site, which has been brought to you by you know, JJ Beard Company. They've, they've been gracious enough to be willing to put us on their internet station. So we just thanks to them for doing that. That's That's a lot. So make sure you check them out. Tell them thanks. You know, just send them that. You just appreciate them doing that for us. Nanny Cakes, 
407 on Facebook or give Annie a call at 407-923-2898. Let her know you heard about this on Three Beards Podcast and she's going to save you 15% off your cake order. So please go support her. Threebeardspodcast.com is our site. Go to patreon.com forward slash threebeardspodcast. Um, come one with the Beardos. We appreciate it. Um, least you can do everybody. Like, share, get this out there. Um, you know, help, you know, what, what we'll do, what we're going to call this episode is, you know, is Keith kicked off his um, campaign. This, <laughs> this is, this is this coming out episode that he's going to, he's going to be kicking off a campaign. So that's what we're going to, we're officially going to call this. This was this breaking news. Keith, Keith Cassiano is running for office. So we're, we're just going to call that. That's what this was. So everybody, thanks for watching. Check us out on social media, please. Uh, like share us, everybody go check him out. Purchase this book. It's a fantastic one. I mean, it, it's pretty much right on. They had to do it. They had to update it. Actually, they were getting ready to release it. They had to update it to change the tense of the words because they were saying this could happen to it did happen type thing. <laughs> so that that if if you have to do that, that means you're on to something. You know, that's it, not a it's not a conspiracy thing if you're actually physically changing it because it occurred at that point. It's a historical book. So everybody, check that book out. Appreciate him coming on. Everybody, thanks for watching. Have a good night.